0: So we're going to be doing a podcast with him. He's the Hamlin University Athletic Director. So that's how I know him. He was also my head coach. Let me put that in. So um, we are going to be talking some leadership stuff with him. I really just want, obviously, you guys to get to know him. um, But then also get to hear some of the things that he values from a leadership standpoint
1: what's up everybody so, getting ready to go live for this podcast oh you know what I didn't finish it you're right cut a podcast number 40 and i Jason Verdugo we're trying to multitask here huh podcast Sorry. number 40 Jason Verdugo yeah what's up Carfari Dude, I've been getting hit up by all kinds of Middle Eastern people trying to produce our content or produce our barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then how do you pin it? Uh, You tap it.
0: Oh. H-U-A-D. Okay
1: popping this up mm-hmm. yeah Terrible. so fresh so yeah which one mine you, no, this is the video that we had before it's Kurt. yeah just our side of it his looks great because look at it's not even close no i know yo atwood austin what is up dude this guy pumped 90 for the first time. He's a, he's a Dr. Heenan, Robbie Rowe guy. We sent some message back. Still got to work on your follow-through a little bit more. I think you're missing slightly, but um, that's just my opinion. But I, I like that you're throwing hard. Jake, <laughs> Jake texts me, hey, what time are you going? Because I'm going hard. I want to hear about Jake's trip, Jake's 10-day trip, because he sent me some videos. The guy's throwing. I don't know where they were throwing. You agree that heavily. Okay, I'll give you the secret right now. Both hands have to posh, pass your body on every throw. Secret, boom, given away. Okay, people agree all right, or he, he's gonna,
0: we're gonna try him one more time here. 94,
1: huh? Oh boy, solid. All lit. Okay. All right. He's P4. Go. Not on yet. Don't have it. All good. Yo. Coach Ryan Morris. It's our dude right there, the motivator over in Maryland. The Maryland Motivator, that's what I like to call him. Um, anyway, what's up? Crucible? <laughs> yeah, crucible? Yeah, Crucible. What's up, baby? Dude. <laughs> okay, get in here. Oh, no, I can't. I can't do it yet because
0: then I won't be able to download it. Okay, you know what? I'm going to use this anyway because I'm going to rant about Doug Lada. Why not? So I went on Saturday. I drove up to L.A., and uh, watch Doug Lotta hit with a kid from Point Loma. It, <clears throat> excuse me, Anthony, by the way, Tommy John, I, I did not, I went I went zero cell. I did not say anything. I just said who I was. I did not try to, I might have said you need to fucking freaking come to us or something like that. But uh, no, I, anyway, Tommy John Lefty from Point Loma is hitting with Doug Lotta. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like the, the likelihood somebody drives up at the same time. Just down south of us. So, for those of you that don't know, Point Loma is just south of where we we do training, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, anyway, just some really, really amazing things. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it's most he's most um, most people know him because he's Justin Turner's hitting coach, but he's also a lot of people's hitting coach. So, um, anyway, just. If you don't know who he is, he just did some stuff with uh, Head of the Curve podcast. Can we move this back yeah. so it's more like similar sure. to what we're doing for are you, on are the other you for side?
1: I was trying to change stuff, Cass. I'm yeah, I like that to- way better. You got to get the thighs, to- thighs in there, dude. Like, it's it's Mondays. on Mondays. Mondays for the thighs. Anyway, now you're not in on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeez. But- we are YouTube live and Instagram live. So many things happening right now. Yeah, uh, we will be going live or podcast. We're waiting on Jason Verdugo <laughs> right now, AD of Hamlin University. So we're just waiting on him right now. <laughs> Hamlin, <laughs> you're right, Morris. Yeah, you're exactly. Right. Sky's <laughs> out, those out. That's all I got going for me. So the quads on this guy too is impressive. <laughs> impressive. No Quadzilla though. Shout out to Quadzilla, by the way. Oh yeah, I was trying to find her she video. She deadlifted 501. Jeez. Yeah, I think is that it. Oh, she hit like thirteen ninety four.
0: That was her whole thing. Because I saw her back squat with wraps, some ridiculous
1: thing. Yeah, she. Um, let me go see if I can. Because I, I that
0: have thing. it. I have it in my um, phone. Like I'm pretty sure she did five thirty five, back squat. But maybe.
1: Um, five seventy eight. Back squat. Yeah, bench three fifty eight, five hundred one deadlift.
0: What how is her back squat so much better? That's I've never heard of that.
1: Because she's Quadzilla. She's got them quads. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best name I've ever heard from anybody. Quadzilla. Yeah. Well, and she is though. She's the nicest human too. She's so nice. If you guys aren't following Quadzilla on Instagram, you should. She is amazing. Yeah. She scares us all the time in the gym. She'll make you feel small. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you are. I'm very small. Yeah. I'm very, I, I, she moves houses and I do not. Yeah. I do not. I, I understand that when you're running a
0: university,
1: some, some things right. just are more important. I told you before, like, I never met my athletic director. Well, take it back. We met him. Everybody meets him like day one. He comes in, pops his face in, but nobody remembers that guy because you don't see him ever again, ever. And the next time I saw my athletic director was when we had to tell him we're gonna file a lawsuit against you unless you approve my MRI for my elbow. Because that's what colleges do. That's what you guys need to know. They're all car salesmen. Sorry, Jason, before you get in here. But they just don't care. Plain and simple. But we do, we care. We got Wiener too in the house. And my lovely fiance. Um no, he doesn't need anything. <laughs>
0: that's
1: a no. That's a no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ween. Leon, if you don't know Weiner. Um, oh, on his way. We're close. We are very close. So Did
2: you want me to like, come in there and say hi? Kind of, like, you know, up your, your viewership?
1: Yeah, you, you always bring up the viewership. Yeah. You, get a million, you get a million taps on your IG name whenever I uh, tag you in something. So, for the record, I have
0: met, I knew all three of mine. Uh, No, I didn't. Two. There was Dan O'Brien was the first AD, and then it went to Bob Beeman. And Bob, yeah, so it was Bob Beeman. I got some Bob Beeman stories that I can't say online.
1: We all have stories you can't say online. Yeah.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, I thought you had gray with me, or green with me, and you got gray.
1: No, I got to order. I got to order. That's on our list. This is, I wear now this. That we have I wear this card. everywhere I go. This thing's going to be super hot in the next couple days. Super hot. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm going to
0: What? What are those pictures?
1: Oh, that's, that's a joke. This is, I'm doing So I do, I don't know if i told you that I've done art, but this is a, this is a photo that we did for our engagement photo shoot. And I'm turning it into an oil painting and then I'm going to put it on canvas and put it on the wall in here. It's a joke. Isn't that hilarious? It's a metaphor. What's the metaphor? She she carries me. Oh, okay, so is it game time,
0: dude. He's calling me from his office phone. That's fine. That's fine. Don't worry about it. As long as it's not crappy. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good morning. <laughs> that, that, hey ma- Hey, so this is your office phone? Yeah, this is my, this is my office phone. You, is this okay? That's yeah, fine. It's okay. Fine. Alright, this
1: works. So put it right there.
0: We just gotta get it close because we're we're we are doing a video on our end of just us talking to you, but we wanna make sure it picks up. So oh,
1: okay. speak clearly
0: yeah, and uh, say what you mean, like, you know? So how's it
1: going? Yeah, does that
0: sound better, I can hear you guys clearly. Yeah, yes. yeah,
1: you're perfect. So yeah, absolutely okay. perfect. Jason, first, I want to welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule. We appreciate it. Um, It's rare that you get to talk to the head of an entire program and university, and, you know, Cass has spoke so highly of you. So I'm very excited to uh, get your insight on a lot of things because I was telling him my experience through college has been rather on the negative side with athletic directors and things. And so, I, you know, I'd love to, you know, share a lot with with the people and that's kind of why we started this stuff because the information that a lot of these athletes are getting you know as you probably know aren't exactly you know line up with the experience that they get so do you want to just like jump in and
0: give us your background on on who you are and just to let let the people know and then i can kind of Add my add my two cents from from my perspective of what I know about you Sure, yeah Um, Well, obviously Jason, I'm the director of athletics at Hamlin University. This is my uh, I'll be this next fall will be my My eighth year in the role Um, This will be my Nineteenth year at the institution uh, Which is crazy to say I just actually just turned 44 so to think that I won't Dude, very, very well said. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prize much as I can out of you on this standpoint because I love. I haven't heard you talk about it in such a long time, and I, I just, I, I remember hearing you talk about it. So, can you give us a little bit more insight about you as a high schooler at going into ASU and your college, like that experience? Because we have so many young kids, and I. <laughs> I know that's not, uh, that's actually not the meat and potatoes of what I want to talk about, but I love hearing you talk about that because I know being from Tucson, going to ASU, it's going to come a lot better out of your mouth. Yeah. I would- Why wasn't it U of A? each other, don't they? Right. Man, I, I I've been talking with my dad a lot lately and, and just seeing you the other day or the other weekend, like that adversity thing is just something that I think I think is why anything you ever said to me ended up resonating is because that's that's how I've always taken things is. Um, yeah, and I'm just kind of realizing that just turning 30 like I it's 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 ironic and it's not ironic. It's just it's appropriate that you're saying those because it, it's really in line with the themes that I'm going through. So anyway, not about me. Um, okay. So the big picture is you're, you can, you can move and shake with the best of them, dude. So like to, the this, I mean, I haven't really known, we haven't had a lot of personal conversations from the time I graduated until now is like, I haven't asked you about these things. It's always been baseball related. So, I mean, if you don't mind going this direction walk us through the CHS deal and then the the women's hockey deal cuz I think I don't know if that's what you think you're going to be remembered for but like that that's very impressive to me Well, nobody knows anything about this, so I'm the only one that knows. Right. So can you, like, tee it up a little bit? Yeah, yeah. You know, we, uh, uh, so,
3: you know, the CHS deal, the St. Paul Saints were building a brand-new facility in downtown, $63 million facility. Uh, we had always
0: used uh, Midway Stadium, which was across the street, so trying to figure out a way. Just across the street, dude. Sometimes that's yeah. a really far way to walk, though. Yeah man, it's crazy. Um, and nobody's gonna know this. Uh, does I, we just got runner up in hockey, women's hockey?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna just, let John Just so just go. so people um, you know understand CHS field and, and stuff like that. Could you give the uh like how big the stadium is, how it holds, like what's it like? And because there's a lot of people that just you know have never heard of CHS Stadium, you know, until I was playing indie ball myself and doing research and all in the American Association for how they actually run the St. Saint Paul Saints. Um, you know, I had no idea about it. So, could you go into a little detail on that as well as the the Wilds, um, you know, arena? Because, like, those words to a lot of kids these days, they don't understand. They might speak in numbers better. So, you know, what's the capacity of each facility?
3: Yeah, the capacity for the, the Ice Arena is roughly 2,000. So, you know, it's it, uh, most practice facilities really don't have a number of seating, but they utilize it. They use it this year for some of the consolation games for state high schools. The, the professional organization, women's uh, hockey professional organization, White Caps, which they sold out in 2000, um, is they use that facility as well. So it's really an, it's a nice, intimate facility, but again, plenty big. And, uh, you know, we had it there for for first round of the N T tournament. It was rocking. It was great. Um, great support and suit It was fantastic. The CHS is what you would picture of you know, again, premier Minor league baseball facility, 6,000. I mean, it's really just like a major league stadium without several decks and tiers above. Um, and one of the things about the St. Saint Paul Saints, you know, I think it's 6,000, but their average attendance, I think, over
0: the last couple of years has been above capacity, like 8,000. So you're like, well, how do they fit them in their standing room only? You get nights, fireworks. I mean, it's, it's an, an event. event. I mean, yeah, it truly is. It's,
2: yeah.
1: couple things. One, I think um, I know a couple guys that have played for the St. Ball Saints and they just nobody has ever said anything bad about it. They always say that, you know, that it's the most it's the first class organization. It's probably the best organization to play for in the American Association as well as um, is Bill Murray still involved with the organization. crazy you say that um the it's equivalent to probably a double A. I, I think there's rules for each level in the um, affiliated organizations like how many seats that you have to have per level for for stadiums to qualify and i'm pretty sure it's equivalent to double A. I think double a is like 7500 or something like that but that's still a lot but one thing that i had noticed um this summer i took a team to the nbc world series i'm not sure if you're familiar with them um but it's a giant yeah so you know how uh, Lawrence Dumont is and it's a big stadium that, you know, it's a great, it's also a great field uh, that's in that American association also. And I had been in, I think i played in it three times, even there, even as a 32 year old, I was able, able to still play in the tournament recently. Um, but that being said, the amount of athletes that have never played in a stadium, I didn't, that didn't hit me until this year um, when I took this team from California and we went over there. And the entire team had never played played under the lights before or had they played in a stadium or they had played with a stadium where their name was announced or they had played in a stadium with a jumbotron on the field. So, you know, the the fact that you guys have that and it's, you know, you can really put that together for your organization, it's tremendous for probably for recruiting for you guys as well. Yeah, it it is. I mean, again, it's, I
3: think, you know, when we decided way to try to work with the Saints and have a conference tournament there, which is always great, and all the other coaches in our league were like, yeah, fantastic, because it's, you know, utilized for the state, some of the state high school games, Um, so it really is, it really is a great opportunity, I mean, the amenities that go with it, it's a really first class compared for the student-athletes, and, um, you know, that's what we strive
0: in every sport, and I think, you know, for a majority of them, we, we really do that, and, the ones that are, you know, we're working on, they're just, you know, we've figured out other creative ways to do it, to service and, you know, provide a great experience. Um, something that I've heard from both of you, well, or just like that you're aware of and that I've heard John talk about is uh, I, I'm curious from your standpoint. I mean, I, I know, yeah, I don't know how you're going to answer this as far as the, the St. Saint Paul saints and the culture that you talked about and how they market it. Because John has talked about his experience in Mochis um, and Pagos League in general. And he just loves it. And he doesn't like the stale part, uh, the staleness of the American game. And, and I kind of tend to agree. But I also know that, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you on it. So I'm curious. Um, for you. I want to hear you guys go back and forth on that part of it. And, and should Major League Baseball, like would it be better if it was more like a St. Saint Paul Saints game? Yeah, I mean, you know, I to
3: to what extent? I think in some cases, I think in big league stadiums, there's enough amenities out on the concourse and things like that. That I think, from a traditional standpoint, I think they they do they are trying to do that in a, to a degree.
0: Um, you know, and uh, I feel you know, like the production said. on the field, though, is more like like I've heard John talk about like umpires just making him like. I, you know what I mean? I don't.
1: You, oh, you should you, say well, it. No, we're just talking about how, like, it's... Okay, for example, um, here in San Diego, we have Petco, but also across the border, right. we have uh, Tijuana. Um, and, and I played right, in yeah. Tijuana, and, and the, the atmosphere is unbelievable. But the thing that a lot of people don't know is it's actually owned by the same family. So the fact that the, if you go down to Tijuana, and it's kind of a little bit more in the NBA style where there's music all the time. There's always something moving in between the play they understand pace of play a lot better kind of like they do in indie ball where they're trying to keep people in a box and keeping them going and it 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 gets a little frustrating with you know the situation when when you go to a padres game and it's um accordion night and they're going to play all the walk-up songs in accordion and then You know, there's massive breaks in action because you got Lushisi on the mound and he takes 45 seconds in between each pitch. And you have way more crowd noise than you have, you know, action going on in the game. And you don't see that in a lot of the um, minor league and even some of the major league organizations that are having a lot lot better job, you know, trying to keep the fans. Because there is a little bit of a delay in baseball sometimes. Like last night I was showing, um, I forget we were watching one game. Um, but whoever it was that was pitching for him is obvious. He was, you know, he, he had his little routine. He'd get the ball back. He'd rub it up like four or five times, walk all the way around the mound, get back on the mound. And you can just, people just don't understand. That's the problem with the game. It's when the ball is not being thrown or being action, And, you know, I noticed that when I was playing myself, that when I, and that's where I was telling Cass, the, the best organization team experience that I've ever had playing baseball was down in the winter leagues of Mexico. Where that's their big leagues, that's where the best of the best play down there. And you know, we were selling out twelve thousand a night, no problem, on a you know midweek game, on a Tuesday game. And then we would go <laughs> on a weekend series to Hermosillo or or even Culiacan, and we're playing in front of forty thousand. And it's it's a whole different experience, you know, when you come jogging in from the bullpen and they're yelling "Gringo sucks" on, on the way in, you know, and it's just kind of gets you fired up and and. I think that's what everybody kind of likes about the NBA and the NFL is the controversy and they want to see people get called out this and that, but baseball is such a gentleman's game, quote unquote. And it's just not the way the game's played. If you've played the game, and obviously you know that, you know, with the controversy of you going from Tucson, Arizona to Arizona state and how rabid those fans and those people are, you know, and maybe the way I should have tied it together would have <laughs>
0: been that John, the only two people that I've heard Konyo from is you and him. So, like, I don't know. I, I just assume that you might gravitate towards that, but I don't know. And you're, you just you know, played with so well, much. Would, Go ahead. Yeah, I would say this. I mean, you know, there, there's a distinct difference between a minor league
3: game and a, and a major league game, and some of those, some of those, um, in terms of uh, the traditionalists, if you will, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I would say this. I mean, major league baseball, the MLB players' union is as strong as there is. You know, is it is as strongest. As, I mean, arguably, it might be even stronger than any of the other major sports. And so, um, you know, but, again, picking up the pace of play is really critical. I I would agree with you on that. Um, You know, I I don't know what other things that they're going to try to do to pick up pace of play, but I know related to, um, you know, the commercial aspect as well, which, again, drives revenue is always a significant the distinct difference between TV games, games that are on TV and the MLB network and miley games, that's I think some of the maybe some of it when you're talking about,
1: you know, 30 seconds or one minute, you add those up. I mean, yeah, for uh, sure. Totally game two, forty five, and three hours is significantly different in terms of feel. Yeah. And, We're we're seeing them go up. Partition patient rates. Uh, I even saw something on HBO recently. They're talking about like football in general across America is down like forty percent because of the head injury information and stuff. And so like we're I'm seeing a lot more kids just trying to get into baseball, even at 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 like a ten or eleven year old age, because the parents are like, I'm not quite sure of him banging his head up against the wall. It's a good move, you know. So yeah. Well, that's super. Go ahead. For sure, that would be that would be a travesty in my opinion. What do you think? Would would you be for against the seven inning college baseball game? Well, I mean, I like this, I like the nine inning game because you know, offensively, those six extra outs change the complexity of the game. I mean, totally they agree. always do. I totally. Mean, agree. In terms of, you know, and uh, so yeah, yeah. There's simple things down in Mexico that they did, and I've noticed internationally too. Uh, Japan has the same rule too, where you just can't leave the box. You know, like I see right. it, you see it all the time in the big leagues. One pitch is thrown the pitcher, walks around the mound, the batter steps out, takes his time. So you're, you know, like you were saying seconds add up to minutes and minutes add up to stuff. And I think this year too, I'm not a hundred percent sure about this, but I'm pretty sure I saw something that they changed the maximum um, TV time from two minutes to three minutes. And that's going to be huge. I mean, I know it's a revenue thing right. too, but that's huge for, you know, in between with, you know, uh, You've never seen me throw a cass has seen me throw a little bit, but I, I'm such a fast worker just because I understand the concept of I, I want to keep my defense engaged. I want right. to throw a ball, get back on the mound, and be ready to go. And and I know hitters don't necessarily like that too when they know the pitchers on the mound trying to, you know, speed up their side of it, you know, as they love to step out and take their time. So it is it is what it is. And you know, I think the game in the next five years is gonna change tremendously for all that stuff too, because you know, the age range is kind of changing for the popularity and then all these giant contracts. And, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, I I saw something on uh, golf the other day, and it seems like baseball is following golf's data stuff. And they put on – there was a shot that I think Tiger hit. And as he hit it, all of, like, the spin rate, spin axis, the velocity, the flight angle, all of that came out, like, as he hit the ball. And I was telling someone the other day that I, I have a feeling that that's going to happen with every pitch that's thrown as well as every ball that's thrown. We're going to have all this data that's on either side of the screen when you're watching TV. And it's going to be available at the ballpark and all kinds of other stuff. And that's what gets us excited because, you know, some eventually someone's going to freak out and go, like, there was a 4,000 RPM slider thrown today in this game. And, you know, everybody, you know, it's these, these benchmarks and these things that, help people understand the game a little bit easier and stuff. is It's really going to be cool. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think it's always good. I mean, when video wasn't a part of our everyday existence
3: in terms of watching the
1: Yeah that's, yeah, that's great, dude. I, I love that you said emotion drives performance because we believe in such a big thing with environment and stuff in our training atmosphere, and and it's I totally agree with that. I mean, especially with playing in the States to playing down there, like to them it didn't matter if it was game one or game 100. Like it, you're just trying to win that day or win that game. And, and my manager yeah. when I was down in Mochis was Luis Soho. He a 14-year big leaguer with the Yankees. And he was such a good captain, I guess you could say, of the ship, because he would just do a great job of like making sure guys weren't focusing on the wrong things on what they're doing, you know. And and I remember the um, actually, I know that this guy Eugene Valles, um, he was the guy that had the longest streak before Chris uh, Chris Davis, yeah, Chris Davis oh, over streak. Um, he was my locker mate, and um, he would he talked to me about that kind of thing about like. You know, he had gone through – I didn't really – I didn't resignate it at the time. I didn't put it together that he had the record, you know, that that it was a uh, an actual thing, you know. And he was like, yeah, you're just going to go through some times, and you just got to focus on the process, and everything will work out. You know, I think I think I had given up a weird flare hit or something like that. He was like, man, just don't worry about it. It wasn't your fault kind of thing. And he was speaking on his experience, and, and I tell Cass this all the time. I think that one of the biggest things that our athletes that resonates with them is – their experience, our, our experience of what we have done and what we're trying to pass along these, you know, words of advice and things that we were doing to that we really noticed like made a big difference in our career or in my career, especially. Um, so for you, if there was something that you could, you know, throw out to the kids at home or parents um, that you really felt like it's something that you really stand behind, is there is there any advice that you'd like to throw out to anybody? Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: What have you gotten, what do you think, like, you've come the longest on as a leader? What have you gotten better at? Uh, You know, I'm a lot more, um, I'm a lot more
3: empathetic. I mean, I think, I think that's probably one of those things, um, the sacrifice related to things that I was willing to do even now, you know, related to my job. Sometimes I had a very difficult time, you know, um, you know, I share my story, like, You know, the the amount of sacrifice that um, my ex-wife and I, you know, it was a joint venture. You know, we moved from a brand new house and two cars all the way across to Minnesota, very cold, to a one-bedroom apartment with a one-year-old baby. When we brought one car, you know, and it was like the amount of sacrifice that I was willing to make to be a collegiate coach, and that has translated itself into, the current position. So people always say like, oh, you got a great position. Do you love-? Yes, I love my job. However, you know, the journey to get to this particular point was so significant with a, a significant amount of sacrifice. So because I was willing to do some of those things and face some of the adverse situations with our son's autism and, and all that, that brought it to its table and how I was able to figure out ways to finish my master's Know, when he was in the hospital, how to deal with some really difficult situations as an administrator during those times as well. All you know, in a ball. For me, you know, um, looking at other situations or anybody that you know, again, that was facing adversity, it was really difficult for me for people to not really understand and be as empathetic when they weren't willing to sacrifice or work as hard or do some of those things. And maybe they were. I mean, in fairness, like, I think that's the other thing, too. I think I've come to the realization that behind every person there is a story, you know? And we always look at somebody when they walk through the door that day, our assumption is that in every bucket of their life, so it's, you know, family, work, personal health, um, Relationships, financial, whatever it may be, for even for even for young kids, right? School relationships with their friends, the relationship with teacher, whatever it may be. Our assumption when they walk through that door or they show up to practice that day is that every single one of those items they're doing great, you know, and.
0: my freshman year when I told, and I don't remember this. I just remember her telling me this back. I, I met with Steph Harris, like, you know, week two of school. And I remember she told me this, that I said, I I do not get Jason Verdugo. And like, you know, but, but that whole thing is like, I wanted to, and I, and I, I, I still don't, but like, that's, that's, you know, do you get anybody kind of thing? And i am just like, I understand where you're coming from a lot more. And I appreciate that you've always, like you've showed me that over over the years, but anyway, so I, I've seen I've seen that. I think, the t- I think to, to that point, getting you know to that point, like yeah, there's there's certainly a skill curtain and everybody plays it. But I think at the end of the day, the number one thing that I think is really critically
3: important is I always ask kids, you know, whether student athletes or whatever, if they might be having a difficult situation with the coach or a teammate or whatever, and said. they love and care about you
1: Such a great point. Um, I think it's one of the biggest things that we try to put out there for our like our athletes or really anybody that reach out to us because I just am a big believer in making that everybody understands like we're on your team. Like Cutter Nation, what we do, when you train with us, we're on your team. We're here for anything that you need. If you need any questions, just like what you were saying. And the biggest thing that I got from that, especially with my college experience, the two head coaches that I had in college. It was very obvious to me that they just didn't care. There was zero empathy, just like what you were saying. And that is really what I think resonates with a lot of high school athletes. Like I, I could say, I mean, it's an aggressive number, and I'd say at least sixty percent of our athletes know that they're high school coaches. It's not their it's not the priority. Dugo, we're training college players right now. Yeah. It's the season.
0: Like <laughs> what's going on here?
1: Yeah. And like, you know, well, just you know yeah, I mean, some, some of that quite honest though, it's there. Some of it's
3: resources, some of it's time intensive in terms of what they may think that they need in terms of personal attention. So that might be associated with limited resources on the other end. I mean again the other part is if you gotta quantify time, yeah, you know, that's where it goes in. Where are you gonna spend the majority of your time? Which True. is really difficult, you know. And that's the thing. It's like why, you know, why why was
1: a great you know, point for me, you know it's really exhausting <laughs> yeah that's, that's a great point because that that brings me to the next thing because this is like this is a it's great that you went into that because this is that conversation we have with some of those college and high school athletes which is okay so if it's a time thing right because that's what pretty much the time man thing you're as a coach your coaching staff you will always be outnumbered to the players then yeah. if the guy is reaching out for help and wants extra help and he goes outside of you you know to another person there always right. seems to be some form of like betrayal, you know, to the coach or you know at any different level. You know what I mean? Right. And that's hard. I it mean, is. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I, I totally yeah. understand because you you're protective of your guys. They're almost like your you know your your second family kind of thing. And you know, there's a, for us like we we've actually been trying to bridge the gap. We've actually made connections with other college coaches to the point where like, look, you can ask us about anything that we're doing. Trust us. Like we have your your athletes best you know, interest in mind as well. If, if we can give him some extra work and he becomes more consistent or works on the issues that he has so he can perform better in the game, it's going to make you, your job easier. You know what I mean? And right. it just seems like there's a giant discon- disconnection a lot of times in those situations. But I think it goes back to uh, a thing that Cass has been talking about lately, which is being able to create an actual communication transparency situation because we, we go full transparency on anything with anybody because that's just the way I feel like trust is kind of gained where we're not trying to hide anything from anybody. You know, we put all of our uh, radar gun readings out there. We put them online. We make sure people know because, you know, there's no, there's no point in boosting those numbers because when it comes down to the game and how the game's played, like you were saying before, you know, you have to know what you're doing. Right. I think one of the things that's,
3: that it may be a little bit different, which I think is always the the tough part. Why in some cases I always admire like, Swim coaches and track and some of these where the numbers are what they are they present themselves. This is what it is. You know, the subjectivity related to some of the team sports is the present what presents itself is what potentially could be taken away. Right. So your guys' relationship in terms of providing the number of instruction, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and from high school coaches, college coaches, there's still all those things are in place. However, there's always that presence. I'm doing all those things. I'm not getting that next level of playing time, or I'm. I, there's still a presence of I could get something taken away from me. So that's where the tough part is related. I always, always thought about that when I was the pitching coach for the Saints, which was always a really difficult thing because. Yeah.
0: I, mean, I just think it's more systemic. I think it's lower though. I agree with you that, you know, it's it's a problem at the professional level. I think it's a problem at the college level. You know, and so I'm going to jump in because I think it's like this is a resource thing, Dugo. Like there isn't enough money in development to begin with. You know, it's it why is it so hard for what's up? You're just not in the frame. Oh, why is it so hard for um <sighs> it's just that, that the money is not there. It's hard for us to be a good coach because it's hard for us to make money in coaching. So just the fact that John and I are even here, you know, having this conversation is is unique, right? So most yeah, people always, that... Are, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you're you're right. I mean, you're right.
3: I mean, that's why I said in some cases you just got to try to provide as much information on the front to kids and you hope they fall in love with it and then you hope that they... You know do a majority of things that are going to help them which again inevitably they have to you know besides um
1: the training they gotta they gotta do a lot of it on their own and they gotta like it yeah you know they gotta like doing that they gotta fall in love with that that aspect and not get bored you know doing that yeah that's why we provide um the way we do our our training systems is we we have like weekly Kind of times, and and people can kind of adjust their you know their style and how much they want to train. But the really, what what why I've, we want everybody to come in is because of the environment, the tools that we have, Cass and I, the atmosphere, you know, the the different technologies, the different recovery techniques and stuff like that. We want to educate, but also provide the best experience we possible can for that for these kids. And that's why we're constantly researching, looking for the latest information, and and trying to help you know pretty much just help as much as we can and show them that like we were saying before was that we're on their team we care you know we, we you know your arm shouldn't hurt when you throw a baseball it just should not happen you know and there there's there's still a, a an elementary level misconception that your arm can hurt you know i mean we get kids 8 9 10 12 16 who have thrown with pain their whole life but just thought it was normal you know, like, oh, well, my arm just hurts all the time. I'm like, well, you're not walking around with it hurting. So, there, you know, there should be a thing. You know, there, there is a way to do it because we see it. I see it all the time. I know Cass does too. So, but even that side of it is such a rare talked about thing. I mean, the fact that Justin Berlander has been in the big leagues for 14 years and he's never had been on the DL for an arm problem is crazy to me. You know? Yeah. I feel yeah, like I you know, were a, a Josh Beckett guy
0: too, Dugo. What's that? I feel like you brought up Josh Beckett to me, and I've heard John bring him up too. Am I making that up? Uh, just it, by way of just like Josh you, Beckett. you, you liked him throwing. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I look at, I mean, look at certain guys. I mean, yeah, I
3: who are to, the guys? Uh, you know, guys that I really, I, I really liked in terms of just, um, you know, my, that I thought were just uh bulldogs. You know, and stuff like that. I mean, again, you look at the the era of pitchers that I think of, um, you know, Maddox and Glavin and Avery and John Smoltz. I mean, I always think about that staff in particular with the Braves because they were so dominant for an extended period of time. And, obviously, you know, um, those are guys that I thought about in terms of, like, how could I mold myself around guys that were really highly successful and try to emulate by ways of here's what my repertoire was and didn't throw necessarily as hard as those those guys but what could I do to just get guys out you know what were sequences that they were doing presenting themselves and just throwing strikes and so um you know the biggest blockage for me um that was a transition was more mental now and now that I'm older it's easier to say that like things that I faced in terms of anxiety and performance and all that stuff with high expectations. Like, I never worried about that stuff in high school. When I got to college and understand, and I kind of got over that hurdle. And then, you know, pro ball really helped me because it was like, I knew it was going to start every five days, and especially my first year with, like, I said, you know, you're going to throw 80 pitches so you can kind of figure out how 80, 90, 100 pitches, what, what you want that to look like. You're not coming out. You know, we're in, in college, every game is, you know, a playoff game, MLB playoff game atmosphere type thing. So, um, but for me, as I start to look at those guys, you know, what was their mental makeup? What was their composure on the mound? Um, and then what are some of the things that they featured, um, you know, that made them really successful? And again, I look at all those guys.
0: You, you like I, I hear you saying that, and I know how much uh, the just the program in general and you specifically have talked about feel, right? And so since I heard you guys talking about feel back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and then you know it it becoming a, a big word proprioception, like that's something that most coaches, if they're anywhere in the the online world, have heard stuff like that. Like we know what proprioception is, but nobody knows how to teach it. Nobody knows how to teach feel, and that's something that I talked to you about when I was down in Tucson watching Hamlin. Like I, I think we, we have a pretty good understanding of what feel is and what it looks like on a graph, um, and nobody really cares about that. All, we, all they care about is are, are you able to get kids to throw strikes? So I think the disconnect is that uh, nobody disagrees with the fact that you want to be competitive in and around the zone. But I think the argument is like, some people are trying to value velocity over command. And I just don't think that's a thing. I think it's the same thing. And I think the fact that you can say that is because you had elite level athleticism and you already had a fastball that was good enough to be in the conversation, to know how to pitch and to be able to recognize that, You know, now looking back how immature you were and how much you could have gained from the mental side but none of that matters if you weren't the talent that you were. So at the right. end of the day, I just think that this whole argument of command or velocity is just wrong in that it's both of them. Command and velocity are the same thing. And I've been trying to say that for- Yeah, I would agree with that. I again, I'd I would agree with that to a degree because depending on how are you talking about maximum velocity related to a particular- person maximizing their particular i mean because again i mean there's certain kids that can't can only throw 82. if you're 135 pounds 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 and you're six feet tall you're probably not throwing 90 miles an hour yet okay so like there are some we, we understand that there are some you have to get simpler you can't just throw a baseball and throw 95 but if we become a bigger engine right we become a bigger athlete a more explosive athlete and we learn how to move better there is potential there like john is probably going to be more aggressive in saying that most people can throw 90 90 miles an hour like he believes that everybody can and i know where you come from so i don't want to get stuck up on that okay but i do yeah. i do just want to acknowledge the fact that we think they are the same thing so the follow through patterns i told you this like and then we went to seattle right after i talked to you and then it was graph it was we have documentation of like oh oh this actually is a thing we don't know that we can teach it yet, but the relationship of release point, the relationship of knowing when the ball's coming out of your hand and that it's, I mean, cause I've seen both of you You two are the two people that if I'm going to, if I'm going to bet on somebody to hit, you know, a bottle off the top of somebody's head standing 50 yards away, it's going to be one of you two, like both of you have impeccable command, right? So it's like, I know that you guys both know what I'm talking about, but you also, you know, Dugo, you just have seen so many D3 kids, you know, not have command and not have that feel. And you don't give it, you don't care if it's 78 miles an hour, if he does, you know, if he can pitch, you know, if it's 85 and he doesn't know where it's going, that's because we haven't been good enough at at developing feel. Like, what did you, you know, I'm going to, this is my last piece because this is tying it together. So, you know, you told me, not too long ago, that I'm good at listening and actually hearing, you know, like actually processing that. I remember you telling me you will not have these are the two messages that were really obvious when I played. Egan told me that I had to throw my curveball for a strike or I would never have a chance. So I learned to throw my curveball for a strike. Okay, I didn't need to make it better. I needed it to be competitive, right? And then the second thing was you told me that I needed to throw my fastball for a strike. And I and I did those things. I practiced until those things happened. Like that's what made me successful. So okay. I don't know what. Yeah, I got lost on that tangent, but. <laughs> I think
1: I think I got it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I'm gonna well, go back. Gonna I'm gonna go be gonna be back honest, to one thing. The, the, the beauty of the narrative with with where we're at, right? We're having conversations,
3: just trying to figure out things, and um, you know, again, um, let,
2: let me back up and say. Yeah. Uh, under
3: He spins it well.
1: Okay, uh, Jason, I'm going to stop you right there because you yeah. just touched on the exact thing that we talk about all the time, which is, uh, and maybe this will help you with your own understanding on why you feel like you located so much better, because we think throwing is a skill, and so if it's a skill, yeah. it has to be worked on, and what you were talking about, the feel and knowing yourself, the proprioception that Cass was speaking on earlier, is that you've just learned how to, where to let go of the ball to make the ball go to the spot, correct? I mean that's what I'm dealing with in a golf swing right now. Exactly. Like I, I just started playing golf, but like now, same thing. Like I'm just trying to get the face of the club to the contact point, and whatever happens from start to finish, figure it out. That's what I always say. Yeah. Figure it out. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And so I'll even go back to what you said before. I grew up. Uh, by the way, we we might as well be the same person because I grew up on Maddox, Glavin, uh Avery, Smoltz, Woolers, like you name it. I'm in there with you on the whole thing. I'm I'm still a Braves right. fan right now. Um, but that being said, um, one of the things that resonated with us, I heard uh, uh, Greg Maddox on an interview very long time ago, which was um, I may not throw 95, but I feel like I throw 95, and I'm also trying to be the nastiest version of myself. And so right. if people That's talk right. about – exact, yeah, people talk about command, um, he, and Maddox talked about it too. People talk about command like – I put the ball exactly where I wanted to. And for what you know and I know, the amount of movement that he put on the pitches and be able to command that is extremely difficult. So, you know, the movement part and locating and command or control or what everybody wants to call it. Like to me, we, we point out that, that all the time on the little strike zone that they put on TV that a lot of these kids, when they're playing the show or video games or what their dads are telling them about command and how big leaguers don't miss – and we show them all the time. You know, we have an iPad with MLB TV on, and we were watching the um, Vlad Guerrero Jr., the game the other day of him playing. And I, sh- we were showing 10-year-olds, like, look, th- nobody locates perfectly every pitch. And matter no, of fact, Mike, no, Mike Fryer's – yeah, Mike Fryer was right there. It was funny, and I said that. And first, you know, he goes, he goes first pitch fastball away, spots it. And then one of the parents immediately goes, oh, look at that. And I go, hold on, let's look at the entire bat, right? And in the entire bat, the first pitch was located. He got ahead for the strike. And then the next five were nowhere close where the catcher was, right? right. And so, uh, you know, I tried to show him, like, look, he because he's trying to spin the ball, like you were saying, he's trying to back foot a change up or bounce a curveball or up and in a fastball. Those are difficult things to do, especially when you're facing another human who's trying to hit the ball. You know, and we just – Yeah, level. Exactly. Level. Uh, uh, even worse, you know, like – and if he misses one inch closer over the middle of the plate, like you were talking about, then that ball's going to be hit to the moon in Toronto, you know, and <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing that we talk about with these kids all the time. Like, look, you can't be afraid to miss. You know, you have to go out, and if you're trying to throw a Greg Maddox, like, that's the thing that bothers me about people talking about Greg Maddox, but he doesn't throw hard. Like, do you know how hard it is to pronate a two-seam and throw it with 18 inches of movement starting on the outside corner running all the way in, and then pair that with a little splitter that has the same spin, the same movement, but drops vertically, you know, nine more inches? Like, that is a difficult thing to do in general. Well, in today's gun, in today's gun, in metric Maddox are probably in like 92, 93. Exactly. Like, you
3: know, I say that being, being fair. Like, he might have – his gun – I mean, the gun readings might have been better. I mean, he might, he might have been the 91, 92, and everybody's like, oh, my God,
1: this is dominant, you know, type thing. I mean, there's no doubt that he was running it up there when yeah. he needed to. When run, he was, he was with the again. Cubs, they said he was like 94, 95 when he first came up. Yeah. And you go look at some of his early footage, and you're like, yeah, you can tell by the way the hitters are hitting. And then one he's thing filed, am I might the- – yeah, go ahead. And the strike zone changed a little bit. Yes. Back, oh know, my God. Then, I mean the, the strike zone the strike zone east and west and
3: granted those guys, you know, whether you want to say bias or not by umpires, they kinda of earn they earn the opportunity yeah. to have that extra ball on the outer third or inner third of the play, but now with technology and you know, in the box and all that stuff, I mean it's like you know, if you, I mean I look at it from the other end. Do they miss yeah, they miss they miss strikes and balls and stuff, but
1: they get a lot of them right. I mean, they get a lot right, you know, when you start looking at it from the technology side. So it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, look, I, we've been – we've eaten up – hold on. He's got I have
0: one last question because right. I want right. to respect your time. Unless you just have to go this second. Go. No, no, go ahead. Last okay. One. Who do you learn from?
3: Um, uh, I mean, depends on what category you know,
0: I mean, a lot of people. I would say, you know, there there isn't one particular single person that Who just jumped into your head when I said that?
3: Um, I mean my family. My my dad, my brother, you know, people that I'm close with, administrators. But to be honest, man, I mean, trial and error life, I mean, I know that sounds like I'm not trying to, you know, be in this no philosophical person, but I want that. You know, life is life is really is truly <laughs> A learning venture without a doubt you know you learn by you really learn by experience i mean it's easier said than done you know like you say oh you know knowing what i know now as a four-year-old if i could go back to i was 18 could i turn myself into a first round pick Uh, i think there would be a lot of people that would say certainly like that you know from training to whether it's work ethic or trying new things or emphasis or what would you do like yeah, you can always have hindsight, but um, yeah, learning for me is, you know, life experiences and good and bad and, and really capturing them and, and,
1: uh, and just trying to have a, really live a, a good life, man. That's what I think of. Just be a good be, human. A go healthy, happy life, man. Yeah, being a good human. So Yeah, we say that all the time. That's that's all from him, by the way. That's, yeah, we, we, that's we, a do-go thing. Yeah, we, 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 we try to profess the same thing about, like, trying to be respectful, make good choices and, and make sure that you understand what your purpose is, especially when, when you're in the gym, you know, and, and not getting distracted and stuff from there. And, you know, there's, there's yeah. going to be distractions and stuff, but we just try to limit, you know, we try to tell them limit, stay focused as much as you can. We know that sometimes people are going to have that squirrel moment, you know? And, uh, I think the other, the other one is, is putting a premium on happy because people ask, you know, in my current profession, other opportunities that have, that have, um,
3: you know, been a byproduct of some success and support and all those things here. Like, I think one thing that I that I realized that I really wish that I would have put a premium on earlier in my life is happy.
1: That's great, man. I, I totally. That agree.
0: that that sounds way different than 2008 version of you. <laughs> which is awesome, and, and which is why I appreciate you so much. This is.
1: Hey, yeah, son, I, I'm looking forward to meeting you, man. I think we could have yeah, even some like, more my, great other well, conversations. Summer, be, no, that's what know. we were talking about. We were trying to. Cass and I were trying to get this traveling circus going. Yeah, I'm trying to. And,
0: I'm talking and, with uh, some peeps up there. Uh, I don't know why I just said peeps. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm uh talking with some guys up in up in the Twin Cities um actually today. So we're gonna try to get up there over the winter break. So anyway, dude, this oh, is God. awesome. I'll let John kind of wrap it up, but I, I just thank you very much, Dugo. This has been awesome. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome, man. I yeah.
1: Appreciate you guys. Yeah, this is this is a great conversation. we would love to do this again sometime. Um, um and and try to go even further to your psyche and mental because I, I'm just such a big believer, and I, I learn a, a lot from anecdotal evidence. And it sounds like you do too, as far as you know the people who have the experience and have been there. And that's one of the biggest things we try to put in front of our kids, either from me and my experience, Cass's experience, or we bring people like you in, who who have been there, and we just try to shed as much light on, on we can because so many parents, you know, have so many external influences on things and we're just trying to help guide them as much as we can educate them and and, and educate them because you know I I I was a small town sound like you were too small town guy uh I I didn't I didn't have the luxury of picking any school because I did not get recruited so you know I was I was behind the whole thing I didn't commit to play college baseball until two weeks before the fall semester after I graduated you know so like it was the the route and the 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 that I have taken in my career to even to to think about not recruited to all the way to, you know, winter ball in Mexico, which for me is, was my personal big leagues, you know, environment, which was awesome. Yeah, so, absolutely. so, okay. well, I appreciate it, man. Uh, um, you know, if you have, if you have any questions for me or need anything from me, you know, reach out definitely. Uh, we, we'd love to help. And and hopefully, you know, I can't, I can't wait to meet the Hamlin baseball team and, and, and get them going, try to, you know, try to get them a little motivated if we can and get some yeah. fun things going. So, but uh, we will uh, go ahead and cut this off now. We really appreciate your time. Um, you know, man, it was great. You know, uh, he's not on your, your H-U-A-D
0: on uh, social media. That's all you got. Yeah. Right? That's, that's all you need to Limited, know. Man, and, I, and I put a time limit between you and I, I put a time limit on myself.
1: <laughs> so more than an hour social day and put it on my phone so it's helped me a bunch that's so brilliant you know, yeah I was telling Cassie the other day a lot right. of my information that I get on social is way more um, I get a lot of notifications I've set up a lot of the pages that I like to learn from and stuff like that so I don't I try not to consume as much either because you know that's a wormhole yeah. of, of itself so <laughs> yeah emotionally too. so yeah, yeah definitely right, well good talk to you. you guys be safe have a good one yeah thanks, thanks Jason appreciate bye. it alright okay. Bye 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 Wow, that was awesome. Jason Verdugo, Hamlin, athletic director. Guys, we are so late. Uh, we have to run to the gym and train. So, wow. Um, but we we're were we going to have to do some finagling. There's going to have to be some screen recording and some other things going on so we can uh, get all this stuff up. But the entire podcast will probably be on YouTube TV, uh, on my channel, as well as on YouTube, on probably on both of our channels. So, But we will get that as soon as we can. You got anything? Let's go. Here we go. Yeah. Don't. We're all jacked up Mondays. Uh, Conquer your Monday. Don't forget. Throw hard. Okay.